Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. Well, I want to get right into the message today. We've been in a series called The Comeback. Let me hear you say The Comeback. Yeah. The comeback, and I believe this is a word from the Lord for us, that the comeback isn't that we look at the scoreboard and we're losing, we got to come back. No, this is more of like God is calling us to come back to some things that we haven't been close to, coming back to being in his presence, coming back to holding on to his word and his promises, coming back to hearing his voice, coming back to prioritizing some things in our lives. It's the, it's the comeback spirit that God has put inside of us. It's coming back from defeat. You know, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up, back up. Uh, this is this comeback spirit that says that no matter what we face, we are more than conquerors. Like, whatever comes my way, I'm going to be I because I've got the greater one inside of me. It's the comeback spirit that I believe God is wanting to stir up inside of us because at that place of comeback where we believe, like, if God is for me, who could be against me? It's the place of comeback where, man, our faith gets a little tenacious. A little, you know, we need some, some fight to our faith a little bit. Paul called it the good fight of faith. Not the good kick back and watch it with a bowl of popcorn life of faith. No, that means we're going to have to advance. We're going to have to be tenacious. God, I refuse to let go. I'm not letting go of your promise. I'm not backing off. God, I'm coming after you with everything I've got. It's the come back spirit. And we live in the age of the stub your toe Christianity. Where if it's not about me or not exactly what I like, then I'm going to be upset or offended or hurt or whatever else. And God is just wanting to stir us up and be like, come on, we can come back to the place where we're led by the Spirit and not led by our feelings. And so we've been talking about this. And if you've missed any of the weeks, they're all available on our free podcast or on our YouTube channel. Of course, you can get links to those on our website, victoryorlando.com. Today, the word of the Lord is insights to your purpose insights into your purpose. In 2011, the St. Louis Cardinals found themselves in the middle of a really tough season. They thought they were going to just have a great season, and all of a sudden they started having tons of injuries, including their their number one pitcher went on the the injured reserve list. Their uh, MVP winner, Albert Pujols, was on the, the injury list, and they, instead of thriving, they found themselves trying to just keep up. But the miraculous thing happened towards the end of the season. They came back from being ten and a half games behind and ended up earning a place in the playoffs. I mean, that alone is a great comeback. And in the playoffs, they just managed to keep finding a way to win and uh, keep putting games together. And they found themselves in the World Series facing the dominant favorites, the Texas Rangers. And they would go through the World Series and they would find themselves down three games to two. You have to win four games to win the World Series. In game six, they weren't winning either. They were actually down to their last strike in the bottom of the ninth inning, down two runs, 
And uh, it just so happened that a two-strike, two-out triple brought in two runs, tied the game, sent it to extra innings. And in the bottom of the 11th inning, uh, a no-name first-year player named David Freeze hit a walk-off home run over center field. The Cardinals won game six and forced a decisive game seven, which they decisively won 6-2, to two, winning the World Series. It was an amazing uh, game, that game six, that really capped off a comeback season. It was that amazing season. And, and I, just, I just sense that sometimes, like, when life feels out of control, have you ever been in that season of life where it feels like one thing after another? That's what it was like for the Cardinals. First, their pitcher is out. Then Albert Pujols. Then they're losing games. Can't keep up. Man, when are things going to turn around? When can I just catch a break? What happens so often in that place is that then we begin to let off the gas spiritually. Do you know that every problem we face is, is a spiritual problem first? And, um, but what happens so often is when we're facing all that stuff, we back off spiritually. And I've seen it time and time again. So often people end up in a place where they're stuck or they're maybe struggling with, like they've never dealt with depression before, but just out of nowhere, all of a sudden they just depress. They just, I just don't, you know, I, I, I don't know. I can't go anymore. I just don't have any desire or whatever it is. So often we end up stuck in a place or just unsure of what I should be doing or how I should be investing because maybe we were hurt. Somebody let us down. Something happened that caused us to back away from our purpose. More times than not, when people lose hope in their life, it's because they've lost sight of their purpose. Without purpose, man, we just, we're just all over the map. In fact, Proverbs says it this way. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, like if we can't see what God's vision is for our lives, he says they'll stumble all over themselves. And if you've ever felt like that, you are in the right place. I've been in a season like that in my life, too, where I just like I just couldn't make sense of heads or tails or or what I was supposed to be doing. God, I know you have something for me, but what is it? I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing and I want to give us today some insights into your purpose. And so I want to say this as simple as I know how. Okay, are you ready for this? You have a purpose. All right, I got the right message today. Let me say it one more time. You have a purpose. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a purpose. Yeah. You have a purpose. In fact, every single person was created by God on purpose. From the day you were born, you had a purpose. From before you were even a twinkle in your mama and daddy's eye, come on somebody, you had a purpose. In fact, you know, I've heard it said, well, my parents didn't plan on me. Well, that's their story, not God's. We know this to be true. Jeremiah chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, anybody brought your Bible with you to church? Come on. Bring your Bible with you to church or on the tablet or wherever, you version Bible app. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb. So there's the definitive statement, God creates life in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb, before you were born, he says, I set you apart. I anointed you as a prophet to the nations. You have a purpose. So before you were ever made, before mom and dad got together or whatever happened, God had a purpose for your life. It, you know, it, it's like God knew the thing that he wanted you to do before he made you. He didn't do it in reverse. Like he didn't like make you and then be like, hmm, what are we going to do with Edwin? I'm not sure. No, he, 
had a purpose in mind that Edwin was meant to fulfill, and then he created Edwin, right? Like, that's how God does things. He does things strategically and on purpose. And not just that he made us on purpose. He put that purpose in us and put everything inside of you that you would need to be effective in that purpose. So he put your personality in you that you would need to accomplish your purpose, your giftings, your natural abilities, passions deep within inside of you, the things that make your blood boil, and then the things that get your heart racing, you know, like that you're excited. Like all of that stuff God put inside of you on purpose before you were ever born. Like that's how purposeful your life is. So if you've been agonizing, maybe thinking my life's not counting, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, like then it's time for us to begin to discover what it is that God made you to do. Like one, after salvation, one of the greatest things you can do in this life is discover the purpose that God made you for. It's one of the greatest things. Look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. God is speaking to his people and he says, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. So there it is again. God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for you. And notice, uh, I, I love this fact here, when he's talking about the plans, he said, he doesn't say, I have a plan for you, but it depends on how successful you are. My plan for you depends on the size of your bank account, so you better get it large. You know, like, no, his plans are not contingent upon our view of ourselves. It's not contingent upon how much money we make or how many promotions we had or how much loss we've been through or how good or bad we think we are. He says, I made you on purpose and I have a plan for your life. If you miss everything else today, that should encourage you. If that doesn't encourage you that your life is purposeful, I don't know what will. Come on, God had you on his mind before you, were, before you ever thought of him. You have a purpose, a divine purpose for your life. He says, My, I have a plan for you, declares the Lord. So what kind of plans are these? He says, they're plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So does God want you broke, busted, and disgusted? No. And, and by the way, prosperity is not just limited to money. Uh, don't don't be limited in your thinking, you know, like prosperity is the whole package, baby. You know, it's like all the pieces of the puzzle, you know, not just one piece of the puzzle. Anybody done a puzzle and you get to the end and there's pieces missing? That's a terrible feeling. And they're like, they're like no! And but that's how many Christians live in their view of God and his blessing. Because they think blessing and prosperity is finances only. That's a deception from the enemy. The blessing of God is everything included. It's fullness. It's wholeness. It's healing. It's health. It's joy. It's, it's favor. It's, it's everything that's in the book. That's the blessing. Unmerited favor. Like, you, like you, you, you can't just limit who God is. He's unlimited. We are limited, right? And so this whole idea that God has plans to prosper us, not to harm us. He says plans to give you hope in a future. So if you have something in your life that is feeding you doubt and despair and, and whatever else about the future, it is not of God. Because God's word right there is this. I want to give you hope. I want to give you something good for your future. So we got we to gotta grow some discernment in this area of all the input we're receiving and saying, God, is this you or not you? Like God brings hope. God brings peace. Like that's what's produced when God is speaking to us, right? And this is such good news for us, that God is good for us. And at the same time, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that bad things won't happen, okay? Because we know if you live for five seconds, you know bad things happen in this world. 
but here's what you need to understand. God does not send bad things our way. God is a good God. We just, we just read it. I could pull up any other scriptures, tons of other scriptures that prove that God is good. The Bible says in the New Testament that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in heaven, right? God does not send bad upon the earth. God does not use uh, trials and whatever th things to punish you or to teach you a lesson. No, that is, uh, that is a lie. No, God is a good God. God provides good for us. Amen. God is not our problem. God is good, but bad things do happen. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where sin exists, where evil is, and there will be things that happen in our life. And this is the good news of why God has a purpose for our life. And when we begin to discover it, because when I'm living for purpose and bad things come my way, I might find myself at the bottom of a pit, but I still have purpose in the pit. See, God's purpose for your life will outlast any season. It will outlast any circumstance. It will outlast any amount of money you think you have or any amount of influence you have, God's purpose will outlast all of that. So no matter where you go, no matter how high you get or how low you get, God's purpose remains and has purpose in that place for you. So let's just get real plain. What is our purpose? All right. Because there is purpose that all of us have that is the same and then there is a purpose that is unique and specific to each one of us right through our giftings and our callings but for every single person to put it as plain as I can but if you don't know Jesus if a person doesn't know Jesus in a real and personal way your single purpose in this life is to know him that's the purpose for every single person is to know him. Look at the very beginning of the book, Genesis. God created Adam and Eve to have what? Relationship with them. To know them. Adam walked with God in the cool of the garden in the day. Like, you don't do that with people you don't like. You don't, you don't hang out with people you don't want to be close to. No, you hang out to be close. God wants relationship. He didn't create puppets that he could control on a string or say, hey, Adam, did you check all the boxes today? No. He said, hey, Adam, what's up? How's it going today? Like there's relationship. So if, for every single person, our purpose is to know Jesus. Once you have relationship, once you know Jesus, then there's a shifting and a, a kind of an addition to your purpose. Something more gets revealed. And this is for every single person. Once you know Jesus, then your purpose becomes helping other people to know Jesus. That's the purpose for every single believer. What did Jesus say right before he left the earth? Go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. He didn't say, hey, pastors and people that work for the church, you are the ones to go and preach the gospel. No, he said it to everyone who believes in him, go and preach the gospel to all creatures. Let me show you this in scripture, um, just so you don't have to take my word for it. You can get it right out of the Bible. I got to get back into my notes, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so that's the salvation moment, right, where we say, we pray the sinner's prayer, God, I give you my life, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that he was crucified and raised from the dead. The Bible says that is what happens, we come into Christ. He says the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. It's the salvation moment. And I think it's also proof of God's purpose for our lives. See, once you know Jesus, things begin to be revealed in a different way. Something you didn't see or know about before. Because if God didn't have a purpose for your life beyond knowing Jesus, then the moment you prayed the sinner's prayer, beat me up, Scotty. Right? Because otherwise, why would you be here? 
if your sole purpose is to know Jesus and that's it, then you just, like, it's time to go to heaven. But no, God left you here. We're all here. I mean, I received Jesus. I'm here. About anybody else? Okay. I'm still here. It's not back to the future. I'm not disappearing. Praise the Lord. Um, right? So we're here. So why did God leave us here? He said, all of this salvation is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So he said, he gave us salvation. All of that came from God. And then what happened? He then, next thing after salvation, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Welcome to the ministry. He says, here's what that means. What is the ministry of reconciliation? Semicolon. That God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So we know that's the story of the gospel of Jesus. We know that. We believe that. God bringing people out of sin into light, into his family through faith in Christ. Here's the thing. He says, and he committed to us the message of reconciliation. He gave us an assignment. So it's like a job description. Your assignment once you came into the family of God is this, is reconciliation, spreading the gospel. He says, we therefore are Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So this is what's called your calling. Every believer has a calling on their lives. Calling is a fancy Bible word for your divine assignment. So all of us have this assignment to help reconcile people to God. But then we get into the, hey, I have a unique pur purpose that's a little different than Carmelo's unique purpose. Right? We carry the same divine purpose in that we're ministers of reconciliation, but he has a different calling, a different unique assignment than I do. And that's where so many people get hung up. Is, well, what's my unique assignment? What am I supposed to be doing? So that's what we're going to talk about. Come on. Is this good today? Okay. See, the problem is that I find is that if you don't know the purpose for a thing, all you can do is misuse the thing. If you don't know what it's for, you got to just try to figure it out on your own. You know, like, like if you don't know that an iPad can do a lot of things and it's just sitting there, it might just be, oh, this is just a picture frame. Let's hang it on the wall. If you don't know what a thing is, what it was created to do, then all you can do is misuse that thing. And that's why so many people don't know their purpose, are living for anything out there, everything that they see. They're living for a hobby. They're living for a team. They're living to be happy. They're living for whatever pops into their head or their feeling. They're living for uh, the next promotion or the corner office or they're living for this or more vacations or the beach house or, or whatever it is. People are living for all kinds of things, trying to find purpose in things that don't last because they don't know the purpose for their life. So then their life is just spent being misused on things because they don't know the purpose. So how do we find the purpose? Well, I would just encourage you, if you, if you want to find the purpose for a thing, like if you need to know the purpose for your iPad, don't ask Microsoft. You know what I'm saying? You need to ask Apple because they are the creator. And so often we're looking to every other source other than the creator. Anybody car ever broke down? I'm driving somewhere. And it smokes you. Now, it's a crazy scene. Like if your car ever breaks down, man, call somebody, but, you know, like, First of all, call the mechanic, you know, like, it's great if you have a friend that used to own that same kind of car as you and you want to call and ask them advice, but, 
it's just advice. Like, they don't know what happened to your car and what's going on or how to fix it. They, you know, like, if you really need to get your car fixed, you need to take it to some place like a dealership or a mechanic. You know, like that somebody that knows the creation of the car, the creator. We need to get back to the thing where it was originated from to find out what the issue is. Otherwise, we're just going to misuse the thing. And that's why I believe God is calling us back. It's time to come back to say, God, what is your plan for me? What do you want me to do? Why did you make me this way? Like you, your personality is not wrong. Don't nudge your spouse right now. <laughs> you know, your personality, you don't have the wrong one. There's no, there's no right or wrong one. You have the one God gave you. Now, can you grow? Yes. Are all of us growing? No. <laughs> but can you? Yes, you can. Um, it's so important because, you know, there's a recent study out that says um, 87% of people who are Christians, church attenders, people who are showing up on Sundays, attending church, 87% don't know their divine purpose. That's almost 9 out of 10. And that should make us pretty uncomfortable. So 9 out of 10 of the people in this room wouldn't know their divine purpose. Think about your physical body for just a minute. Because the Bible describes the church as the body of Christ. So all of us in the body of Christ in the church were body parts. Okay, I know it's kind of weird sounding, but that's the way that Paul describes the church as the body of Christ. So imagine if 87% of your body parts didn't know what they were supposed to do or why they were there. You'd probably die. You couldn't function. There'd be chaos. Your body would just be falling apart if your skin didn't know what it was for. If your bones didn't know what they were for, you couldn't stand up and walk around. If, like, like if 87% of you didn't know what its purpose was, if your heart didn't know it was supposed to beat, how would the blood get throughout all your body? Like, and 87% of the church. And then we wonder why, man, why is it so difficult to, you know, to start a nursery or get people to show up to serve? Or why is it so, why, why aren't we doing more outreaches? Or why aren't we, you know, why aren't more of the, you know, why is the youth group not bigger? Or why is there not this ministry? Well, 87, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes the answer is just us. The answer is us. Psalm says the answer is in the house. It's here. We are the answer. And the answer is not just a few people do more. The answer is all of us are called into this ministry of reconciliation in different ways. I'm so thankful for the people that are called in worship because not everybody's called into worship. You know what I'm saying? I know when you're driving to work and you got the radio turned up too loud and you can't hear your, your voice singing, you think you're called into worship, but it's okay. Come to the audition. We'll help you sort that out. You know, not everybody's called into worship. And listen, not everyone's called into kids either, but some are who aren't there. There's holes, there's gaps. Imagine 87% of the Eagles or the Chiefs going to play the Super Bowl and 87% of the team on the field didn't know what their job was. They'd be losing. They wouldn't even be in the Super Bowl. Like, we've got to get to this place where we prioritize as believers of discovering and developing our divine purpose. And honestly, I know you hear us talk about it all the time, but this is what we do and what we have 
called Next Steps. We design Next Steps for the sole purpose of beginning this process. And if you don't know what your giftings are, or you don't know what your purpose is, you don't know where you fit, you feel like you're misshapen, not sure if I belong, like that's what that is for, to help you begin to discover the intentionality that is in you already. See, spiritual giftings are operating in your life right now. We just mislabel them as, well, I just do that because that's how I am. No, that's a spiritual gifting that God strategically put inside of you to bring about the, the gospel of Jesus around the earth in a different way. But we've just mislabeled it because we haven't dove into the spiritual side of it to discover how in in strategic God is. And, like, that's why I believe, you know, we, why we're here in this place. We don't need opinion. We need truth. That's good right there. I'm going to say that again for the people in the back. We don't need more opinions. We need more truth. That's why we need to come back to some things that God has called us in you, back into his word. What does his word teach us about who we are and what he's created us to be? You have a purpose. And since that is true, since you have a purpose, you need to know there will be enemies to your purpose. There will be things meant to sabotage your purpose. There will be things meant to uh, try to deceive you about your purpose, to get you to back off your purpose, to get you to trade your purpose for something else. And, and we need to understand that there's going to there's gonna be some opposition to our purpose. One enemy to our purpose is confusion. Just people not knowing what their purpose is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I feel like this. Uh, the reality is, is that, man, if that's where you find yourself today, you're unsure about your your unique purpose of why God created you, it's okay. This is not a message to make you feel bad or condemn you. This is a message to instill hope into you and just to like offer that hand like, hey, come on, let's get up, let's go. I'll, like I'll walk through this with you. Let's go together. That's the beauty of the church. One of the things I love is that wherever you're at in life, it's okay. This is a safe place. If anybody looks at you weird for, because of whatever, you let me know. We'll go talk. You know, like, we're not going to be that way. We are not judgmental. We're not looking down on people because none of us are, like, we're all in the same boat. We're all just imperfect people trying to live a life of faith to please God, doing our best one day to grow a little bit more. I might not have got everything right yesterday, but, I, like, I'm going to grow a little bit more today. So wherever you are, it's okay, but permission to start moving forward. And, and, man, find somebody to walk with you. And if you need somebody to walk with you, find one of our leaders. Go through Next Steps. If you've already been through it and you're still unsure, like, go through it again. It's okay. Nobody's going to think anything bad about you or that you're not spiritual enough or whatever. That's just the devil trying to create confusion to keep you from excelling and growing in your purpose. None of us know everything, but all of us can grow. All of us can learn. I love reading the book of Proverbs. In fact, one of the uh, disciplines that I do is I read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Uh, whatever day of the month, that's the, the chapter of Proverbs. So today is February 5th, so I read ch Proverbs chapter 5. And I do this just because, like, I, I want to create that daily discipline. Like, this is helping me to be disciplined to read the Bible every day. Some days, you know, I'll read the Bible more. Or, you know, or longer or whatever, but it just helps me every day. I want to be in the Word strategically, so I just created this as a daily discipline that takes me about five minutes, you know, maybe ten minutes, uh, but very small amount of time getting me in the discipline. I can read the Bible every day, and sometimes that's just what you need. You just need the little disciplines that produce big results, and, but 
the interesting thing about Proverbs is in those first several chapters of Proverbs, it says time and time again, wisdom is crying out in the streets. It's calling out, will anyone listen? It's like wisdom is available if we will lean into it. We can grow in our personalities. We can grow in our purpose if we will lean into it and seek out wisdom from God. Another enemy to your purpose is comparison. <laughs> in other words, like it's this place where we aren't living for our purpose because we're so focused on someone else's. <laughs> this is dangerous. Like comparison is dangerous because comparison is really the little cousin to envy and jealousy. You know, like it's just a dangerous thing. And, and what comparison wants us to believe is that if I just had what they had, then I could live for my purpose. If I just, if I just had the, you know, you know the, the house that they had or the, the, the job that they had, or if I had, just, if I had the money that they had, then I, then I could be giving towards the school or the church or whatever. That's not true. If you can't give with what you have, you won't be giving when you have more. You know, like it's this idea of comparison and social media has made it so easy to fall into this, right? Because you'll just be scrolling, seeing their house, their perfect children, their new car that they got, their bigger house than yours, their trips and how many times they got their nails done or how many times they're playing golf. And I'm sitting here in this little office just going about my day. You're seeing their, their highlight reel comparing it to your full reality. It's just a trap, and we have to be aware. Like, I'm not saying social media is of the devil. Like, now, like, no, but you just have to be aware of what's happening. Like, there's enemies to your purpose, and if there's an enemy to your purpose, make sure that you're not, that you're not giving more attention to the things that want to murder what God put inside of you. Like, give more attention to feeding the things that's going to bring out of you what God created you to produce. And there are things that will sap the strength and the purpose out of your life, like the thief of comparison. I ran track Growing up, uh, my best race was the 800 but I, meters, but I also loved the 400 meters. And I had a, a personal trainer because my, my dream was to make it to the Olympics. So I had this personal trainer. I didn't make it, but I got close. But um, I was, my, my trainer would tell me all the time, he would say, Chris, do not, when you're in the race, he said, when you're running, do not look to the left and the right. Be like, coach, I, I got to know my surroundings. Of course. Use your peripheral. you gotta, you got to have a sense about what's around you. But he said, do not look to the left. Do not look to the right. Do not try to look behind you. He said, it does not matter what the other runners are doing. And that one was hard for me. I was like, of course it does. I'm racing them. It does not matter what the other runners are doing. He said, all that's going to happen is if you look to the left or look to the right, it's going to slow you down and rob you of victory. And he was so true because I remember the race that I did it. I remember that race senior year, and I looked over to see the guy who was ranked higher than me in state and saw him coming up behind me. And as I looked, guess who passed me by? Not because he was faster, but because as I'm looking, it's slowing all my momentum from, and my strength from this to this. Listen, comparison is a thief. Like, of course, we know what's going on around us, but if we're just living in comparison, we will be miserable constantly trying to be what somebody else is or act according to their resources or whatever else. Listen, you can be a second-rate someone else, or you can be the goat of who God created you to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can be the best. That's a good place to say amen. Another enemy to our purpose, um, you know, people, some people aren't living for their purpose because they're pursuing a purpose that's counterfeit. 
They've exchanged their purpose for something that they thought was good, but just in the end doesn't satisfy. You know, people live for career, promotion, money, the bigger house, whatever else it is. There's nothing wrong with those things. Don't hear, don't hear what I'm not saying. Like, it's great. Like, I believe God gives us ability to increase in those things. God wants us to enjoy this life. But it's just realize your life is not about those things. Jesus said, life is not about the abundance of possessions and all that we can accumulate. Like, that's great. Do those things. But just remember, like, am I on purpose while I'm doing those things? And the purpose is eternal. The purpose is spiritual. The purpose is, is God being glorified through my life? Is somebody else experiencing the love of Jesus in my life? So when I'm at the job that I'm frustrated at, maybe it could be that God puts you in that job to be praying for your boss because he's having trouble at home. He could be God puts you in that place to bring a spirit of peace and joy into that place where there hasn't been none. See, there's purpose in all those things, and that's why you're there. The purpose isn't just so you can have the bigger, better, whatever. Like, that's great. Go for that, but do it on purpose, right? There, there's some things in my life, um, you know, I like to get at a bargain. Anybody? Uh, my, my wife, Pastor Heather, will tell you, the only kind of shopping that I like is the kind where I get a bargain. Like, I'm not going to go to the store for hours and be like, let's look at all the shelves. And if that's you, that's okay. You do you, boo. I, you know, I'm going to do me. And I like to get a bargain. One time we were um, at the Nike store, and I found these pair of Jordans. Let's go. And they were $165. And before you get mad at me and post me on Preacher Sneakers, listen. <laughs> I... Through, pro through promotions, discounts, and coupons, I got those babies for $35. Let's go. And uh, I like getting things at a bargain, you know what I'm saying? But there are some things I don't want at a discount. When it comes to God's call on my life, and my obedience to live in purpose, I don't want the cheap version of that. When it comes to my marriage, I don't want the discount version. When it comes to my finances, I don't want the coupon code and how cheap can I get it version of things. And too often we're living for counterfeit things rather than living in purpose. Can I just tell you, if you're going to live for your purpose, like it's going to cost you something. You can live for this life. Whatever you live for, it will cost cost you something and it will produce something no matter what it is and if you live for the things of this life it will cost you more than you want to pay and it won't produce the things that you're really looking for and what you really need but I'm telling you if you will begin to seek after God and get in his presence then time after time, God will begin to reveal things to you. You'll begin to live for something that is bigger than yourself, something that God put on the inside of you since before you were ever born. It will cost you something. And it will produce something that you cannot find any other way. Joy that can't be found in things. Peace that can't be found in prescriptions and pills and meditation and whatever else. No, there's things that only can be found when you're living for the purpose of God. In fact, science has proven the happiest and most fulfilled people are the people that made a difference in the life of someone else that day. Science, you know... Uh, People didn't invent science. God invented science to prove his word was true. Um, and so I just encourage you. We're going to define and discover our purpose in this life. And, you know, I think it's important to know. Like, it's so important because if we don't know the specific purpose, then, then, it, then it's too easy, you know, to think about, oh, my, my purpose. It seems so big. And then it's easy to get into this place where we're living to race to the biggest seat in the house. 
I've been there. I know. Like, as a pastor, like, that's why I'm not on social media very much. Because it's not, like, it's so easy to slip into that realm. You know what I'm talking about. You see other churches. You see other things out there. Man, if I just had what they have. Man. And it's just so stupid because I have, I'm part of the best church. And, like, I, I wouldn't trade what God is doing here at Victory for what anybody, no matter how big or great or whatever. Like, this is the best place. And I, and I truly believe that. And I love y'all so much. I want, like, we love you guys. Like, uh, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right here, baby, you know. If God, if God comes down and speaks to me, then we'll have that conversation. But he's told me, like, this is home. This is, he, this is ground zero for us. We, this is what we're doing. And I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. But it's just so easy for things to creep in. Right, and create this counterfeit version, trying to be, so I'm not racing to the biggest seat in the house. I know that's what the world teaches us. Do what makes you happy. Follow your heart. What stupid advice is that? Do not follow your heart. The Bible says, above all else, the heart is deceitful, and no one can discern what's in it. Please don't follow your heart. Follow the word. Be led by the spirit, right? Like the world tells us all these cliche things. Uh, do what makes you happy. Find the thing that makes the most money and go do that. Like, for advice, that's fine, but to live a life of divine purpose that God created you for, that's not the advice you need. The advice is get in the presence of God. Allow him to allow your time, your talent, and your treasures to be directed towards things that influence eternity, not just this life. The key to life and living in purpose is to discover and maximize the seat God has for you. And listen, listen, there is a seat for you. There is a place for you. There's a seat at this table. There's a seat for you. And not just a green seat you sit in for church. There's a seat for you at the table to live in purpose, to make a huge difference. And so I just encourage you, man, we're going to do this. We're going to live for purpose. And you got to know, like, your purpose is always going to be centered around helping somebody else. It's just how God does it. So I want to give us real quick. I know I'm running short on time, so I'm going to go through these fast today. Uh, six insights to discovering your purpose. Hopefully I get through all six. Praise the Lord. I got a clock. Don't worry. Six insights to discovering your purpose. The first one is this. Start with the end in mind. If you want to end, you, you're, at the end of your life, you will end up somewhere. So make sure you end up on purpose because you only get to live once. You know, it's that whole thing of one day you will stand before Christ at the judgment seat. No matter if you've if you're a Christian and you serve God or you're not, you've rejected him, like one way or the other, you will stand before Christ and give an accounting, it says, Scripture for our lives, the good, the bad, all that we've done, right? He says, so when you stand in that moment, what if we begin to live now in a way that we won't have regrets in that moment? Like there's no do-overs. The great thing is God has mercy and grace that covers our past. So that when we stand before him, he's not looking at that. He's looking at, hey, from this moment you stepped into me and I called you into these things, what about that? So we're not worried. Yesterday was yesterday. It's gone. We can't change it. But from this day forward, come on, now we're talking. Let's go. If we start living now, like so many people get obsessed with, well, with what was or my family was this or, or whatever else. No, today. You have today. What about today? 
Am I living for purpose today? Am I making a difference today? If I start with the end in mind, where do I want to end up? As I back up from that destination, then it makes all the decisions along the way a whole lot easier. If I want to end up at the place where I live a life of purity, where I, when I get married or whatever else, I get to the end of my life and I don't have affairs or divorce or things like that in my life because that's in my family history. Anybody relate? I want to end up at a different destination. One life, uh, one wife for my life, no, like, like no, no extra partners along the way. Come on, somebody else from this day forward, right? Let, if I want a destination like that, then all my decisions along the way are going to be different than if I just today, well, I just hope things work out good. I hope we have a good marriage. Someday, you know, maybe 50 years from now, like uh, I hope we're still together. That's going to be two very different destinations. If I know where I want to end up, then I can live with purpose with every decision. Then when somebody comes and they're trying to bat their eyes at me and whatever, like, like I ain't going your way because I'm going that way. There's purpose in my decisions, right? And, and we understand this when it comes to our phones, right? Google Maps or Apple Maps, whatever map application you use. If you need to find the way to somewhere, what do you do? You get out your map application, and it's going to ask you two questions. Where are you right now, and where do you want to go? Like, it wants to know. Like, it can't tell you how to get there unless you tell it where you want to go. But once you put in the destination, it can tell you what's around there, what's the three best ways to get there. You can know the way and make decisions on how to get there the best way possible because you put in those two things. But if we don't know where we want to go, we're just going to end up somewhere. But we're going to be, the, I'm, I'm just glad to be surrounded by people who are going to end up somewhere on purpose. Come on. We're going to make a difference in our lives living for purpose. I'm going to skip down because I'm running out of time. Here's number two. If you want to live for purpose, insight to discovering your purpose is your availability is greater than your ability. Availability greater than ability. People that are available are far greater, far more influential, far more uh, uh, used by God than those with just the most ability you've ever seen. Availability is always greater. You know, it's like, when you're looking for the hammer to crush the spider at 3 a.m. And all you can find is the flip-flop. And you use the flip-flop and then you rejoice. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, God is looking for some people who can, who can do some things. And if you're the flip-flop sitting over there and you're available, God, here I am, use me. God, I'm right here, use me. God will pick you up and use you. If you'll make your, see, and it's this whole idea of if we don't make our availability known to God, how could he fill our lives with purpose and direct our steps? And so many people are like, God, use my life. God, I want to be used by you, but not today because I've got to do this, and then I've got to go to the store, and then I've got to pick up the, school, the kids from school, take them to sports. I've got to get home. I want to, to have time for Netflix and chill and get ready for tomorrow and do all these things and whatever else. How about we talk on Thursday? That's not available. Right? And, but that's how so many of us have positioned our lives that way. And God is calling us back to this place of saying, are you available? I love this passage of scripture, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. God is having this back and forth conversation with the prophet Isaiah. That's why he wrote it down. It says, Isaiah says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? I believe God is still saying that today. He's looking all over the earth, all over Orlando. Who can I send? Who will go? Who will be there to, to lead the youth? Who will be there on the 
the hope truck? Who will be there to go on missions trips? Who will be there to set up the curtains? Who will be there to make sure that the audio works? Who will be there in the parking lot to welcome families as they come so they can find a place to park? Who will be there? Who can I send? Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. See, Isaiah wasn't the best. He wasn't the most eloquent. He wasn't the most trained. But he said, God, I'm here. If you can use something, use me. I'm here available. I am available, God. And I think sometimes we need to get back to that place and let God know, God, here I am. Send me. What, would you still go if God called you into something that made you feel uncomfortable? Because he will. <laughs> Spoiler alert. God rarely will call you into something that you feel fully equipped and, and have just everything ready to go in. No, God calls us into things to stretch our faith, to cause us to grow, right? Like it's, it's always the stretching. Think about when he called Abraham the father of our faith. He said, Abraham, I want you to get up. I know you're comfortable here. You're living with your family and everything you know and are familiar with. And I want you to go to a new land. Great, Lord, let's go. Where do you want me to go? I'm not going to tell you until you're already going. What? Like, just start going. Okay, but where are we going? I'll tell you when we're going. Like, that was the conversation. Like, isn't that, like, uh, and sometimes I think we're waiting for that. So many people aren't living in their purpose because they're sitting back thinking, oh, well, God, when you tell me, then I'll go. If you give me, when you give me the specifics, and God is just saying, no, are you just available to go? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. I, if, if the little that I have, if the broken mess that I am is good enough for you to use, you can use it. I am yours. It's that place where, man, uh, purpose begins to uh, be lived out in our lives. I mean, that's how, that's how I'm here. I'm not the most, I mean, I'm not the best trained speaker I didn't go to school to preach messages, you know. I, I thought I was going to be a rock and roll star. I went to school for music, you know. And, but, you know, as, as we were in Oklahoma just praying, God, what purpose do you have for our lives? I remember Pastor Caleb said, hey, why don't you meet me at Cracker Barrel? I can take you to the table there in Tulsa where we sat in that restaurant uh, on 71st in Tulsa Hills. And he, he began to tell us about, hey, I want to move to a city. I don't know which one yet. There was three, but God has put it on our heart to start a church. Do you want to go? Will you guys go and help us? I can't promise you anything. I can't give you a position or a job or pay or anything, but will you just go? And I was like, let's go. And through a series of events, Pastor Heather was not as excited to go. And praise the Lord, God spoke to her. And then she got that same excitement. And here we are. And then came the day when the church is getting ready to start. And there was no one to lead kids. The people that were serving in that area were like, this is just babysitting. And we don't really want to be here. And there was a fire that was lit under me and Heather. Because we were just kind of doing all the different things. We had served in all the different areas. Just helping set up. Helping our hospitality. Helped with some graphics here and there. But we didn't really like know where we fit in the church yet. Does that make you feel like, is this too much for you guys? We didn't know where we fit. The church was getting ready to start. And I remember the day when Pastor Sarah, who spoke last week, and she, she called us up. And she said, hey, would you guys be willing to help head up the, the children's ministry? Funny story. When we moved with them, we said, we will do anything but not children's ministry. <laughs> I love when people say that. Um, so it wasn't that... We were like the greatest children's pastors in the world, but we were available. Sure. Okay, we'll do it. And same thing. When they came to us after, two, you know, almost two and a half years of the church going, hey, we feel like God is calling us to expand the missional work. We've got to move back to do that, but we don't want the church to stop. We don't want this investment, to the seed to stop growing. We want it to begin growing. Will you guys step in as the pastors? 
I never thought I would be a pastor because I always struggled with the inferiority of God. What would I say? How could I ever be the one? How could, how could I even, let alone preach a message, how could I prepare a message? God, I don't know what I, I like, like. But there was that moment of availability. If you are available, listen, the devil brings inferiority and uncapability to stop you from stepping into your purpose. But if you will stay in the place of availability, God will put anointing on you and grow your ability. Come on. God can grow ability when you allow him to make you, when you allow yourself to be made available. Here's number three. If you need insight to your purpose, there's awareness over time. See, sometimes we're lost in, God, what is the big meaning of my life? I think I'm supposed to cure cancer, but I don't know how to do that. I don't even know how to spell science, let alone cure cancer. I mean, God, I'm supposed to be a missionary, or God, I feel like, there, you know, I felt like, you know, last week God gave me a word. There's youth pastors and young adult pastors in this house. And maybe that's something that resonated with you, but you look at your life and you're like, <laughs> like, I don't even know how I would do that. It just seems like sometimes our big purpose is so far away and so many steps away. It just seems impossible and then just overwhelming to live for. Anybody relate to that? Like, I would just encourage you, like, don't get lost in that. Awareness of your purpose happens over time. See, there's big purpose for your life, but then I would say there's also uh, lowercase p, little p purpose. There's today. What are you doing today? Don't just get lost in someday I'll make a difference when God brings me to this place and it's just a miracle. And then it just happens and then poof, then I'm a... Whatever. No, it doesn't happen that way. It happens in the day after day, the moment after moment, being available, being faithful. God, what do you want me to do today? When you wake up tomorrow morning, God, what purpose do you have for me today? Who can I influence today? Who can I encourage today? How can I make a difference today? And it's those day after day moments when you begin to live in little p purpose that all of a sudden God begins to speak to you a little bit more. You begin to hear his voice a little bit clearer. Why? Because you've been pressing into him each day. God, what do you have for me today? You've been living for little p purpose moments, moments that seem insignificant to everybody else. No one else even notices the purpose, but the point is not that people notice the purpose, but just that in that day after day, you're just purposely living for moments to help people, to change people, to make a difference. You see a person that's struggling and you want to be a missionary. You have a vision of, of reaching thousands of people, but there's this one person in your office today and you can make a difference in them today. Are you okay? Can I pray for you today? Listen, if you want to preach the gospel to thousands and be a missionary, you want to lead youth, you got to start with the one. Like there's little peep moments and if we'll get out of that place of feeling stuck because everything seems too big and what can I do in this little peep purpose moments, then all of a sudden you'll find days, months, weeks, years later, all of a sudden there's passion and things and doors being opened for you that you never could have orchestrated by yourselves and all of a sudden you find yourself living for big P purpose. Come on, there is awareness over time. Here's number four. If you're going to have insight into your purpose, what's already in your hands? God has already given you everything you need to live for your purpose. He's already given everything to you. So what is in your hands? If you want to discover what is your purpose is, what has God given you? I find that people that aren't living for purpose is because they're complaining. They're complaining about what they don't have or what somebody else had or, or whatever else or what someone did to them or they, whatever. Like complainers never live for purpose. Like what is in your hand? If you begin to develop an attitude of gratitude for whatever it is that God has entrusted to you. Listen, God has entrusted to you a lot. 
For those of us that are here in Orlando, I know many living uh, other places, uh, but those of us that live in, if you live in the United States, listen, you've been entrusted with a lot. God has blessed you. Most of us have a, you have a garage for your car that you put three and a half dollar a gallon gas in. You're blessed, baby. You are living the high life. Listen, God has entrusted a lot to you with. What are we doing with what we've been entrusted with? The level of gratitude that we develop in our lives will determine the level in God's influencer program that we rise to. Many people are saying, give me more. Give me more. I want more responsibility. I want more influence. Uh, I want to rise up on the ranks. I want to have a, a higher position. God, give me more. But what if we just began to excel and to be great at whatever we have, wherever we are, before we just demand more? What if we just began to be the very best with what we have? With, uh, rather than just, just comparing to everybody else. Like God has an influencer program, and it's those who are grateful with whatever they have at all times. Come on, here's number five. If you want insights to knowing and living in your purpose, what opportunities can you act on right now? What opportunities are before you right now that you can act on? I say this because so often people are living in what I call the one-day syndrome. One day I'll serve God. And they're just like, like, can you help us in this area? No, I'm just waiting on God. <laughs> it's, it's, they're just sitting back, holy bumps on a log, not good for nothing, just, just waiting on God to do something. Listen, God waiting on you. He's waiting on us. Like God could show up in divine power and do whatever he wants, but in his divine sovereignty, I don't know why, but he just decided to give us the responsibility to make a difference. He gave us the responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus. Like he didn't need us, but he decided to give us the most important job in all of history. So he's not, he's, he's waiting on us to get involved in the process, to get off the bench, get in the game and, and become part of the solution. Uh, I think of the story of Esther. You can read that book. It's in the Old Testament. Basically, Esther was a Jewish young woman, but they were in captivity in a foreign land, and the king um, needed a new queen. And so, to bring the queen, to find a queen, he had a beauty contest um, across the land, and Esther ended up winning. Uh, praise the Lord! Now it's a good place to nudge your spouse and be like, "You would have beat her," you know. Like, Valentine's coming up. Trying to help you. Uh, Esther becomes the queen, and she's, she's serving as the queen. Um, but one day, uh, one of the king's advisors comes and tricks the king into signing a law that basically said all the Jewish people needed in the kingdom needed to be executed on a single day in time. The king, unaware, signed it into law. Uh, Esther finds out about this law through her, her cousin who tells her, you need to go to the king and get this law changed. The problem was... In this culture, no one could come before the king unless he requested you to be there. And if you came in front of the king, you would be executed. You would, you would be killed unless the king extended grace to you. And so Esther's cousin is coming and saying, hey, the nation is waiting on you. We're all going to perish. You have the power. You have the ability. And he says this to her in Esther chapter 4, verse 14. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place, but you and your family will perish. In other words, like you don't have to get involved. You don't have to maximize the opportunities, but make no mistake, if you choose inactivity, God will find someone else, and you will miss out. Like it's just the reality. He says, but who knows 
that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? Esther replied, okay, let's fast. You guys fast, we'll fast. They fasted for several days. And she said these words, and then I will go before the king. And if I perish, I perish. We need a little bit of Esther in us. What opportunities are before you right now? Because there is a generation of teenagers that are looking for people who, not that, they don't care if you have a theology degree. They just care if you show up every time. Can you be there? Can you be faithful? Can you learn and grow some things you didn't know before? Yes, all that stuff can happen. Like, but there, there is a spiritual battle going on. There's opportunities all around us. If you will show up, and who knows that God brought you to victory for this time to make a difference. It's not about ability. It's not about capability. It's about availability. What can you take action on today? Don't wait for next week or tomorrow or one day when I get myself together. No, no, today. You have today. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What, what action can you take today? Here's the last one. If we're going to have insights to your purpose, you got to go all in. Scripture says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. I love that scripture because I love it and I don't love it because it's, I've had plenty of moments in my life where I've only sought him with a little bit of me. And there's this kind of inference in that scripture, like if we don't seek him with everything, then we won't find him. But when we seek him with everything, and some of us are trying to live for our purpose, but we're trying to hold other areas of our life back. You cannot live for purpose just a little bit of your life. It's everything. It's all in, like all in two feet. And that's why I always tell people, like, take the next year and just go all in here. Like, whatever, like, like just absorb everything that's available to you as part of this church. Every class will be in the groups. Like, just be part of everything. Go all in. And then let's sit down over coffee one year from now. And you, like, and t tell me if your life is not different. If you haven't begun to see change and begun to live for purpose. Like, things just begin to change when you go all in. Come on, let's get to our feet today. I felt to read this scripture over us today as I was praying about uh, this service today and just what God wanted to do. He brought me back to the scripture in Isaiah chapter 60. And I felt to read it and got what, this is what God said to me. He said, many of my sons and daughters are acting asleep to their purpose because they're afraid. It feels safer to ignore it, to pretend, it feels way too uncomfortable. And so many are asleep to their purpose. And then he brought me to the scripture. And so I want to read it over you as a prophetic word. And if it's something you would receive, maybe just close your eyes, maybe lift your hands towards heaven and allow, not my words, but these are the words of your heavenly Father spoken over you today. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. But you, the glory of the Lord rises upon you and appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you that today there is an awakening, you're, that there is an arising Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.